So uh, obviously, first up on the list, uh, actually, let me uh, you know do my job here. Uh, so I'm Josh Cujo. Uh, most of you guys who are in here know me. In fact, I think all of you guys know me. We got Dan, we got Alex, and we've got Dave. And I apologize if I'm pointing in random places because on my <laughs> screen, that's where they're at. Yeah, they'll be in so. different spots probably for other people. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So... Um, so first off, uh, this week, uh, the FAA has released um, two uh, advisory circles, draft advisory circulars, uh, one uh, relating to performance-based navigation operations for us, um, not the immediate uh, concern, although we will be uh, diving into that a little bit, uh, but more so the advisory circular 91-57C, which is for the exception uh, uh, the exception for limited recreational operations of unmanned aircraft. And this covers two things, uh, actually kind of three things. It covers um, uh, persons flying unmanned aircraft without sp specific certification. Um, it also covers people using unmanned aircraft systems for educational purposes, as well as um, persons or organizations requesting requesting recognition as a community-based organization. Um, the uh, people seeking establishment of fixed recreational flying sites as part of that CBO process, and um, people organizing uh, unmanned aircraft-only sanctioned events. And I also so just... It, yeah, I want to jump in real quick and say that mm -hmm. this is um, making their previous advisory circular obsolete. So, gosh, when was that? Is that 2019 or 2020 when they released the previous uh, advisory circular about recreational flights, talking about how you're supposed to follow the guidelines of a CBO, even though they don't exist yet, and sort of gave a little bit more clarification on those the rules, like the 400 feet rule and all that stuff. So that's going away, being replaced by this, and basically it's taking what that used to be and just adding a little bit more to it. Yeah, and I mean, for the first parts, there's nothing new in terms of uh, any new rules or regulations on operating um, recreationally from what I can see. Uh, nothing, you know, game-changing there. Uh, the, the parts that we have been waiting for are obviously uh, the process to um request recognition as a cbo any and chance you even... can zoom in a little bit on your fonts there yeah sure i can do that yeah the cbo stuff is certainly something we've been been waiting for um so uh let me zoom this in as well <laughs> and i will yes you have to fly for fun and if you're not having fun you need a part 107 that that should be in there that's pretty <laughs> much what there. they mean so again, it's got the normal legalese, like the purpose, the audience, where you can find it, the background information, uh, the definition of limited recreational UA, uh, um, unmanned aircraft operations, um, all that good stuff. So within that, and I'm going to scroll quickly through here, um, the uh, so you've got right here, this is the criteria for being a recreational flyer um nothing new here person using a uas for any other purpose than recreational must operate the uas under applicable faa regulations either part 107 or part 91 
Um, recreational purpose includes operated by an institution of higher education for educational or research purposes. Um, and that includes instruction of students, academic or research related uses, activities undertaken by an institution as part of research projects, including projects sponsored by the Fed. Um, or other academic appro uh, activities approved by the institution. Um, and then also UAS flown as part of an established uh, junior ROTC corp training program uh, or UAS uh, flown as part of an educational program that is chartered by a CBO. Um, so the significant portion here is gonna be the aircraft, and this has been in the rules for a long time, but since they haven't defined uh, how to become a CBO, this has been one of those things where the FAA has said, okay, you know, we're going to put this particular rule aside. It's not relevant until we define CBOs. So this is stating that same rule that the aircraft is operated in accordance within the programming of a community-based organization set of safety guidelines that are developed in coordination with the FAA. Um, uh, let's see. Recreational flyers should be able to explain to the FAA inspector or law enforcement officer which CBO safety guidelines they are following. And, you know, this has always been the thing that you are not required to be a member of a CBO to fly under its safety guidelines. So as long as you are utilizing, you know, one of those recognized CBOs set of safety guidelines, um, you are fine. You don't have to be a card carrying member. Um, assuming that we uh, get recognized, you wouldn't need to be a member of the FPVFC or the AMA or any other um, recognized CBO. You just need to fly by one of their sets of rules. Um, obviously, the aircraft is flown within the visual line of sight of the person operating the aircraft or a visual observer co-located in direct communication with the operator. <laughs> So again, nothing new here. However, there are some new parts uh, in specific relation to FPV that um, I don't remember seeing in the original sections. And you know, it's been a while since I've looked at those sections, but uh, they do define what an FPV device is, which I kind of take a little bit of an issue with in terms of how they explain it here. Um, or, or how about these FPV devices often provide a restricted view of the surrounding area. Absolutely. That's, that's the part I, I take issue with. Not only that, but FPV devices aren't necessarily goggles. They can be a screen, and there are a lot of people who still fly by screen, and that's perfectly okay. I would like to, uh, to point out, if I'm going to make my own comments eventually, and say that that sentence at the end serves no purpose. It doesn't help absolutely. this document in any way. And Yep. If it stays there, then where's the, you know, where's the source? Where's the justification of this line? Where's the risk analysis? So on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I agree. It's gratuitous and not substantiated. I yes. agree, Dan. So um, obviously uh, we all take issue with that. And um, it also says that the recreational flyer uses the assistance of a visual observer for the operation. The visual observer must be co-located which means the visual observer must be standing close enough to the recreational flyer to be able to communicate directly with him or her without the use of technological assistance and without creating a distraction to the recreational flyer. So this right here kind of expands on the role of a visual observer versus anything we've seen to date. So co-located, yes, we've always kind of said that that should be 
fairly close. It can't be, you know, you can't be using walkie talkies or a cell phone to communicate with one another, but it doesn't necessarily say that you can't be, you know, 50 feet in an opposite direction. Now I know I'm, you know, kind of, uh, you know, picking this apart a little bit, but at the same time, it does say that um, you do need to be able to, the, the actual operator would need to be able to um, remove their uh, FPV uh, glass or FPV goggles and to be able to see the drone themselves as well. But up above, and I, I apologize for skipping this part, it does say the recreational flyer or visual observer must be able to see the unmanned aircraft with vision unaided by any device other than corrective lenses throughout the entire flight to ensure it does not present a collision hazard to other manned or unmanned aircraft. The use of a visual observer is optional, um, but it enables the recreational flyer to check instruments for extended periods. Uh, I find it interesting that they don't talk about like safety of bystanders or anything they only mention in that paragraph the mm-hmm. collision hazard to other manned or unmanned aircraft now there is a section and it might be lower when it talks about the safety rules um where they talk about being able to utilize uh, a set of binoculars for momentary sighting of the aircraft which was kind of interesting to me that's similar uh, in 107 as well yeah so um it does discuss uh airspace to um some of the the folks uh who are posting in the discord at the moment um covering uh class on on the screen under 2.2.4 the sentence let's see it's uh, one second sentence that ends the position of the aircraft in relation to other aircraft i need to check to see if that's a new phrase because that's suggesting that the the remote pilot in command is responsible for detect and avoid. And I know that's implicit, but the position of other, all other, all, you know, it says all aircraft, all times. Uh, this, so I think this, this is one that I'd like to <laughs> complain mm-hmm. about and get it uh, toned down a little. Have fun. Like, like at those big flight entry vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Have fun at like those big flight fest kind of things where you've got a hundred airplanes all flying at once. So you've got to, visual observer who's keeping track of all of those at all times all aircraft at all times yeah. <laughs> must carry mini radars with us at, at all times now right um i yeah. hesitate to say that out loud i'm sorry if that becomes a reality it's not my fault someone <laughs> someone from spacex snuck in there and put that launch and recovery vehicles in there must have been right yeah. so, so um it does cover uh airspace here so um in class B, C, D, airspace with the lateral boundaries of the surface, yada, yada, yada. Basically need to get your prior authorization through Lance. And without the, if you're flying around airspace that does not have Lance, uh, it does clarify now that uh, you will need to put in a request via drone zone at least 90 days prior to the proposed flight so that they can review it. Yeah. Along those still lines. have that 90 days. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Which is ridiculous. uh, In section Um, 2.2.5.2, the, uh, let's see, second sentence, Lance provides automated near real-time authorization for flight requests in most controlled airspace. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's wrong. I think we've got uh, about 700 airports uh, to date, so that's something. 
I needed to look into. Mm-hmm. Gosh, go over that again because I just had to send a letter to Whidbey Island Naval Rear Station uh, rejecting a permanent flying site here, and we don't have land, so I would have to call Whidbey Island or do a, a 90 day. No, would you go over that again, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. So it says right here. Um, first off, it says recreational flyers should not contact ATC facilities to obtain airspace authorizations to fly in controlled airspace. If they want to fly, if the recreational flyer wants to fly near airports in B, C, or D airspace or within the lateral boundaries of a surface area of Class E airspace um, that are not serviced by Lance, uh, the recreational flyer should use the FAA Drone Zone website which is at fadronezone.faa.gov to request an airspace uh, airspace authorization. The recreational flyer should submit the request at least 90 days prior to the proposed flight to allow the FAA time to review the airspace and the justification for the flight. So that, I, put in, I put in for uh, an airspace authorization via Part 107. Um, uh, I don't remember if I did it 90 days prior, but it was probably close to that. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, it works. The process works, but um, it definitely took them a few weeks to 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 come back to me and and give me a co- they gave me a COA actually technically, and it was in Class D airspace at uh, it was in Oceana uh, Naval Air Station Class Delta airspace. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that it works, but yeah, I'd feel I mean, really bad time. for anybody yeah, who doesn't have Lance in their area. Like, if my airport, which I'm like six miles away from, just on the edge of the actual uh, controlled airspace, I wouldn't be able to fly in my backyard without like planning ahead 90 days, mm-hmm. which would be crazy. And that 90 days is at least, which means it can take longer. Yes. And yeah, and we it's we annoying sh- at those. We should at, at this point in time one. we should we should have uh, moved well beyond this, and we should well, be we should be a minute. That's what we get yeah. with Lance. It should be well, a minute I mean, for both of them. I can understand, like, even, even you know, maybe not a minute, but an hour, you know, it shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, how many people are submitting requests like this that can't submit through Lance? It should not be that involved of a process. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's still something that needs to be worked on. Now, I will, you know, congratulate... The FAA on the development of the Lance system and being able to get real-time authorizations. That's fantastic, but um, they really should be incentivizing more places to get on board with this um, quicker, and it needs to it needs to roll out fairly quick. Yeah, for the places that have it, it seems to work great, except for that couple of days mm-hmm. when it was totally down. Was... Yeah, yeah, when it first, <laughs> when we were transitioning to... Um, all right, so... It says, uh, recreational flyers may choose to fly at fixed recreational flying sites, not me, uh, which are locations with standing airspace authorizations for recreational flying. Fixed recreational flying sites are posted on the FAA's UAS data delivery system. Um, And there's more on that a little bit later. I'm trying to skim over this quickly because I have a lot to go through um, in relation to some other stuff, but I'm you know, if you need me to stop or slow down at a part, please don't hesitate to ask. Well, we should um, just note we should just note that the fixed flying area is the current term and not a freea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's, it's likely that uh, these fixed sites will have to reapply to become freas. 
Yes. And that will be through the CBO process, which is touched on later on down in the bottom of this document. Um, so uh, obviously in here, we've got the aeronautical knowledge and safety test, also known as the recreational UAS safety test, the tr or just trust. We're not going to call it the trust because the <laughs> trust would be redundant. Um, and uh, let's see, registered and marked with the registration number um so on and so forth so getting into the community-based organizations so to recap up here nothing has really changed a whole lot up in this upper section there is some additional wording on some things that we will follow up on there's some wording obviously we don't like um and we don't want to be a part of this so we will be commenting on that well, and it because, says right at the top that they can't make any like new laws or anything in this document. It's just to clarify what exists. Correct. And we want that clarification to be accurate. So we'll be uh, hammering that point home. And even further so, we will be putting our recommendations, obviously, uh, out there for you guys. Uh, so you can utilize them as we have done in the past with NPRM and just about everything else that we've been involved with in terms of um, NPRMs and final rules and all that good stuff so that that can be utilized as a cohesive. Uh, and that, that's an important point, Josh, the, as um, I'm sure you, you would have touched, the, uh, the submission of comments is different than mm -hmm. the NPRM, NPRM process. They, wanna, they want us to fill out a form and email that form to uh, uh, one of the FAA individuals. And of course, we'll do that. But that prevents uh, public posting. So, you know, we, as you said, we'll post our comments so that folks here can see them. Yep. And utilize them to uh, their effect as well. So, again, we want to provide a cohesive front on stuff like this so that we can you know, make an impact. It worked in the past and we want to keep continue that theme. So, um, CBO. So, uh, <clears throat> nothing here is a surprise at this top section. This is everything that was in the um, reauthorization, FAA reauthorization Act. Act. Yes. So, you need to be a 501c3, which we are. You need to be tax exempt under 501a. I do believe we are. Um, mission, which is demonstrable. Demonstrably, the furtherance of model aviation, I think we've proven that fact time and time again, um, provides a comprehensive set of safety guidelines. Now, this, we do have that. Now, they really hammer home some major points on the safety guidelines, and we as an organization will probably have to go back and refine some of our safety guidelines yeah. to coincide with this. Expanding um, on that, and not to derail this whole thing, but it... It's a small concern of mine that the FAA could use this to insert any rules they want changed because every recreational flyer has to fly under the rules of a CBO. And if they only authorize CBOs who state XYZ in their safety guidelines, they can now force any rule they want without having to go through any red tape to do it. Well, I would say... Um, from my point of view, there are recommendations in here that they want to see in those safety guidelines, right. but we, we as an organization will need to tailor those to be as, uh, operator friendly as humanly possible. Yeah. But I'm just saying um, behind so, the scenes, the FAA could just say, mm -hmm. you're not meeting the, the safety guidelines we want to see. You're not a CBO. 
And they only approve the CBOs that list the ones that say what the FAA wants them to say. Yeah. And they they and... they kind of hint at that, saying, "Way well, we recommend you say these things, even though we don't specifically say you have to. We're recommending you do." And I will say that most of this document is based on what those those safety guidelines should be. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it's pretty pretty interesting. So again, I haven't delved massively deep into what those safety guidelines are because um, the eyes glaze over fairly quickly on stuff like that. But I have uh, kind of perused them. So um, anyway, we can move on to the next one there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it provides programming and support for any local charter organizations, affiliates, and clubs, and provides assistance and support in the development and operation of locally designated model aircraft flying sites. It does state in here that we are not re that a CBO is not required to have designated model aircraft flying sites, but it is a possibility for them to apply. I think what that's trying to say, and it clarifies a little bit later that since CBOs are the only things that can request like a FRIA, mm -hmm. a CBO has to have the ability and willingness to apply for FRIAs on behalf of its members. Absolutely. All right. So it goes through how to submit for them um, and they'll maintain a list of them. Um, and they talk about the uh, use of UAS for educational purposes in relation to a CBO um yeah and i think that they, they just uh decided the easy out for them for educational not to make separate rules but just let's pretend educational use is a recreational use and yes shoehorn them into the rules yeah um let's see safety guidelines so pretty much from here on down um including regulatory uh, first person view. Oh, we'll, we'll cover the first person view <laughs> procedures because that's important. But all these are safety guidelines that they would like to see, um, including procedures for night flying, um, medical condition, um, illness, uh, medication, stress, alcohol, fatigue, and emotion. Um, so apparently don't fly when you are upset. Um, which I would argue against in to a certain extent as, as uh yeah, lots of people flying, use flying to release <laughs> to fix their emotional state as a, as a medication, that. as a stress <laughs> yeah. reliever, except so, if you crash. Um, let's see. And uh, obviously reporting procedures. So um, let's see. Yeah, the reporting, yeah, the reporting so, procedures. Oh. I thought that was only 107. No, no. no. They're, they're suggesting they that a CBO ask its members to report every uh, time your drone crashes, gets damaged, causes property damage over $500. There's a recreational flyer error. Like, so every time I, oh, I miscalculated, I hit a tree. You should send in a uh, report. Well, here's here's the two <laughs> and sides to this. that's what it's Right. It Loss is. of navigation function the, every time you have a fail safe. Well, here's the thing that I would say about this is, you know, the CBO can request this, but as a CBO, if I mean, if as a potential CBO, my my recommendation, obviously, this is something I we would need as an organization to talk about instead of saying, hey, report your issues to us so that we can then forward it up. 
Uh, well, NASA has this great anonymous tool that we talked about a couple episodes ago that you can utilize with no, uh, doesn't retain your personal data. Uh, is it, it is impossible for them to use to enforce anything and utilize that to report if you're, if you're going to report. So again, that would be my original thought when I was reading this, I was like, eh, let's, let's just use an anonymous tool. Um, so at any rate, let's go back up real quick and I will cover the FPV stuff. Cause this is where some of the interesting stuff is. And, uh, this is the first time we've seen first person view procedures specifically called out. So if a CBO supports FPV flying, comprehensive safety guidelines should include at least the following minimum guidance for operating UAS under FPV. These suggested guidelines are provided as examples to assist CBOs. CBOs should tailor the guidelines to fit their particular needs. Um, FPV flyers should be proficient in flying their unmanned aircraft without an FPV device prior to starting FPV flights. I will yeah. be the first one to sit here and say that, could I land it? Probably. Uh, am I going to be, you know, flying it in the same fashion that I fly FPV? Absolutely not. I would say going uh, back to our argument that FPV can enhance situational awareness. If it's far out, out there, I can still have line of sight, but my situational awareness isn't great. I'm way better off just hitting the fail safe and telling it to drop to the ground than I am to try to fly it back and potentially hit something else. If, yeah. If I've got problems. So going back and I would agree with that completely. Um, FPV flyers should perform pre-flight inspections of the FPV devices, video control, power source, mechanical systems before each flight. I don't think that's an issue. Uh, that That's pretty normal. Obviously uh, we're doing a lot of work on the bench to make sure our stuff works. Um, FPV operations require someone to be watching the unmanned aircraft at all times to ensure safe operation. This requires the use of a visual observer. Now, this is the part where that's interesting. Visual observers must be co-located with the FPV flyer and maintain visual line of sight with the aircraft at all times. Same as above. Uh, visual observation of the aircraft must be made with unaided vision, except in the case of vision that is corrected by the use of eyeglasses or contact lenses. Uh, vision aids such as binoculars may be used only momentarily to enhance situational awareness. Visual observers must be in direct communication with the FPV player. So that's the first time we've been able to utilize uh, vision aids, even just for short bursts of, of time. So <laughs> I don't quite understand the use case and why it's so important that it's in this document, but okay. I, I, I don't either, but... Um, FPV flyers must have the capacity to see the aircraft at all times. This is you as the operator, not you as the visual observer. Although a visual observer may be watching the UA, the FPV flyer must ensure that throughout the operation of the UA, he or she would have the ability to immediately see the uh, unmanned aircraft that the FPV device was removed. So um, I understand the meaning behind this, but it's going to take me way longer to find it in the air if I take my goggles off, I mean, your, your visual else? observer should be able to point you to it super fast, right? <laughs> it's going to have to be really quick. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, um, yeah, if, I, if they're thinking, oh, I'm a, I've got a Mavic flyer and it's just hovering out there a couple yeah. hundred yards away. Can you show me where it is? Fine. If you're flying 85 miles an hour, you've got no chance. No, not at all. Um, it's just, I, I think by the time you acquire visual, it's 
going to be too late in one form or another. Um, but at the yeah. same time, I understand where they're coming from. <laughs> to XJet's question, you'll be blinded by the light when you take your goggles off. That's why we're all supposed Just to wear an me. eye patch like a pirate, so we're only looking through one eye. Three statue miles of, of strobes. The, uh, uh, yeah, this mm -hmm. is where we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll spend some time commenting on yes. these, because, yeah, these are, these get a little dopey. Yeah, they do. Uh, apparently, we're not allowed to use FPV systems now uh, when the weight of the unmanned aircraft exceeds 55 pounds. Mm. That's new. Yeah, I don't no, understand I'm, where that's, that's coming def... from. Well, that's the definition of a small UAS in the yeah. in the reg. In the regs, 44809 specifies uh, between uh, greater than 250 grams, uh, you know, less or greater than what uh, 0.55 pounds, um, less than 55 pounds. Mm-hmm. Still interesting though that the I mean I guess you have to go under special review anyway for anything over that but still I don't see why it should lock That's you out hard. of FTV. Yeah. So um, and then I'm not going to dive into these safety guidelines. You feel free to read them. There's a couple other things I do want to cover. Oh, but going back to that guy. 55 pound thing. Like to me, that's just reinforcing their idea that FPV is unsafe. So don't put it on things that are even bigger because that makes it even more unsafe. Yeah, so. I don't. I I 100 don't agree with that, obviously. But yeah, I, I think if we look in the operations over people and in the categories, we'll see the uh, the same weight clips, and mm -hmm. uh, and then if we go way back in the early 2019, you know, they they use these weights and then they converted them to you know if it drops out of the sky, how much energy, what's the kinetic energy, and etc. I think that's that's what they're trying to uh, foreshadow for us in this. <clears throat> Absolutely. So there's some interesting uh, safety guidelines, uh, some of the ones that kind of pop out at me. Maintenance of the UAS and its components should be conducted in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions. So 90% of us were the manufacturer. Um, write, write your own instructions. <laughs> uh, no maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> And Sorry, that actually, point, well, that kind of gets into that it's next one about maintenance schedule. Yeah. About checking for updates, like you might want to write your manual to say, don't update Betaflight because new versions might break it, <laughs> which goes against or, what their recommendation says there. Yeah. So, or some pilots yeah. like the older versions of Betaflight. They like right. how it flies better. Yeah, the, the manual should really say if it's working, don't fix it. Don't touch it. Don't update it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Xjet is lamenting about his uh, servo failures on his uh, FPV quad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he also mentions like the firmware updates for the V2 GGI goggles have made them worse and less safe. Um, obviously, if you're using something that's got security vulnerabilities and you should be updating it, that's a different story. But yeah, interesting. Just, just blindly saying to make sure you're on the latest version of software isn't always the right way to go. All right, so the last thing I'm going to kind of, well, second to last thing, I apologize, uh, that I'm going to call out on here are the procedures for night flights. So as you know, re if you're flying under recreational rules, you are allowed to fly at night. Um, with Technically, at this point, without uh, lights that are visible for the three statute miles, but they are recommending that in the safety guidelines for recreational that we... Um, uh, put in the safety guidelines that are re that we require members uh, to 
fly with lights that can be seen from three statue miles away. Make sure you put um, that on your tiny whip. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there you go. I just yeah, I don't so understand how you can not have it as part of the rules. It's completely allowed, and then all of a sudden, eh, you got it. And that's why I'm kind of pointing out that the FAA can use the CBO to push some new regulations like well if you don't have that in your safety guidelines you're not going to be a cbo and yeah, therefore and again, there's a new regulation be... basically in effect and again it could come down to you know wording of this you know fpvfc right. recommends that and you it, utilize leds and it does say <laughs> talks about down in there about flying in areas that are sufficiently illuminated so you can see and maintain visual line of sight and a lot of people fly at night around parking lots and you've got little leds and you can see mm -hmm. see the the drone just fine so the last little bit that i'm going to kind of call out um this is yeah, airspace that's... authorizations for sanctioned events um if a planned uas only event will occur in bc d or e2 airspace or in uncontrolled airspace above 400 feet the organizer of the event must request an authorization for the time and place of the event requesters should submit all of the site specific information in a paragraph and the dates at least 90 days in advance of the event for authorization um uas only aviation events conducted under the exceptions such as drone races or aerobatic displays must adhere to cbo safety guidelines developed in coordination with the faa or approved by the faa um uh, and that's specifically in cases of uh weighing more than 55 pounds guidelines mm. for any public display that's in case of operations uh it says I guidelines there, i think there's an i think there's an or statement in that 55 pounds so I think this is for all races, so we yeah, or we approved, to, yeah, or approved, we, yeah. We need to add, you know, some racing guidelines up and uh, you know what's sensible, so mm -hmm. that uh, we can make sure that that's covered here. Um, guidelines for any public display of unmanned aircraft flying should include procedures to protect non-participants from all unmanned aircraft participating in the event, and should identify persons responsible, such as a safety officer and a contest director, for ensuring the safety of the operations. Con conducted on site so this appears to be a way to set up a uh the beginnings of an attempt to set up like temporary fixed flying sites for race events that kind of stuff so this is a step in the right direction um i feel like it needs to be you know probably a little less involved as we stated above this needs to be a quicker process than 90 days um but at the same time, if this is, you know, if you're flying in B, C, D, or E2, if you're flying in, in G airspace, you have a race event in G airspace, uh, you're fine. You don't need to contact them. You're completely fine. Or if you're flying below 400 feet, which I would hazard to guess that 100% of all races happen under 400 feet, with the exception <laughs> of maybe a very specialized race where, you know, something would need to happen way up high. But, at, maybe, you know... Yeah, that's, that's a heck of a dive tower. Skyscraper. Yeah, or, <laughs> you know, we maybe got... gates on the side of... <laughs> A hot air balloon with a gate hanging underneath it or something. Yeah, someone was playing those DRL levels in uh, on their right. sim and wanted to make some regulations against them. Yeah, the, I mean, the, AM, the AMA was uh, nervous about this for turbine events and sailplane events. Mm -hmm. But for, for FPV raising, absolutely makes 
you know, yep. no sense. So yep. again, at this point, if you're flying in G airspace, you're perfectly fine. Um, but if the th the funny thing is, is if you're flying in any of these other airspaces, you can't use Lance to set up an event, which doesn't make sense to me. That's the problem I see here. I mean, any flight, whether it's one person, 20 people, should be the same thing. It shouldn't need any special, you know, type of, of license. If it's approved by Lance, it should be fine. So, right. and, tossing and, it out uh, there. TextJet 454 is making the point, gosh, it sounds like uh, you know, if we follow these rules, we're all going to be flying illegally. And I don't think so, uh, particularly to just what Josh says. If it's uncontrolled airspace, not a lot of difference from what we do today. And if it if it is controlled airspace, then they're just reiterating existing uh, rules about uh, gaining um, appro uh, flight approval. And that the think, 90 days out is very difficult. Yeah, I think TechJet was talking more about visual, about observers visual observers and like yes. some of the rule extra rules they're pushing about safety and flying at night and stuff. So so this, yeah, I, so this, I don't so have that ability being... to fly at night or to call Lance. And I sure the hell am not going to wait 90 days when I got a five or 10 minute window when the wind isn't blowing in the Pacific Northwest. Or not raining in the Northeast. Right. I, I mean, it, it wasn't raining today for 10 minutes, so I got out in the flow. I, I, I can't even call that ridiculous. That, that, that's, there's, there's no definition for this. So again, we will be, you know, commenting on a lot of the safety regulations, the stuff that we, you know, have a bit of a disagreement with. I feel like, you know, we'll we'll be putting that out there. Um, we will get that out there in enough time for you guys to submit your comments, um, so that you kind of have a, uh, you know, a guide to go off, an outline to go off of, uh, in, in order to, you know, fabricate your comments. So. You know, some of this stuff is not a surprise. Some of this stuff is is a step in the right direction. Some of it's a step in the wrong direction. A lot of what we see from the FAA fits this bill. You know, nothing new. It's fine. Or we need to talk. You know, it, it's just it's that kind of issue. So um, we will release those comments. Um, we will talk about this internally. And we'll get something uh, definitely. So... Just yeah, be on, on the lookout for that. On one hand, it's uh, great that the FAA has in their mind enough. Uh, they're thinking about FPV enough to put it in this document. It's a bummer that they put it in in such a way that we're not happy with it. But uh, it's at least something they're thinking about a lot. One step forward, two steps back. Airports? Are they going to force airports? Uh, to install LAT so it's uh, fair and equitable to us, or are we going to have to file a lawsuit against discrimination against FPV flyers? Well, again, I think uh, Lance that's, has been a system from... Comment. No, I know. I think Lance from the beginning has been a system that they've been rolling out a segment at a time, and I think we're at the point now that it should be reaching critical mass as opposed to you know kind of limping along so well, they can't I, expect us to use lance unless they got it in 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 place otherwise we're 90 days yeah which is untenable and i think that's that's kind of the the position that we'll be taking with them so um and xjet we're anyway. doing our best to try to be the faa's uh 
resource and letting them know when they're making when they're uh yeah making when they, goobers when they're not <laughs> when they're not correct on how fpv works yeah so um at any rate um i didn't mean to take up the whole time on this but it is kind of a, a big topic so i'm not uh i'm not upset about it yeah did, did other uh, people read it and have questions things they wanted to bring up or talk about yeah before i step on to something else Remind yeah. them that bad regulations are seldom complied with, so serve no purpose in modifying behaviors. And we've also really been trying to drive home the one-size regulation does not fit everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. So the timing on this, I think, is uh, comments in by August 9, is that correct? That sounds I right. I think yep. so, yes. And so we're we're... Our objective is to beat that by a couple of weeks so that uh, give folks uh, an opportunity to see what we've done and uh, put in their own comments. Yep, August 9th. Yeah, I don't know if that gave August, us exactly say... 30 days or it probably was, even though well, we didn't. Did they release it like secretly on a Friday and no one noticed about it until? <laughs> we can deliver them by hand. So that means we can walk up and hand a, a printed piece of paper to them. Yeah. All right, yeah, so... So DC, our, our, I might have to go uh, make a trip. Go demand <laughs> to see Emily Rogers and hand them over yeah. personally. Hand them the comments. So, so our way of working I is am. our comments. Our comments will be productive, professional, and polite. Yeah, absolutely. But can I so, at least deliver them in person since I'm right here? Whatever floats you your know. boat, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Put a piece of candy right. with it or something too, so it's you know extra nice comments. All right, so I'm gonna skip through a couple of uh, these other news articles really quickly. Um, I might save some of these for a uh, our next uh, trip through. Uh, I don't want to hold anything up uh, too much. Um, the drive has uh, created, uh, I think in collaboration with the war zone um the, they have created a map um with uh over a hundred thousand incident reports that have been reported to the faa regarding drones or unidentified aircraft um so we've uh, explored this database before you can go through it in an excel document you can read it the interesting part with this is that you can now, and I apologize, I was centered in. You can now search this via map. And the interesting part is that you can go in. So here. Oh, they've nicely is, marked, uh, marked good flying spots there. Right. So this <laughs> is Palo Verde nuclear power plant right here. Uh, one of the largest nuclear power plants in the country, right outside uh, where I live. And um, this was an incident that we've covered on here before, uh, where the power plant security advised five to six UAS with red and white flashing lights were orbiting the power plant and water reservoir areas at approximately 200 feet. UAS possibly have spotlights attached. UAS were over the plant for over an hour. Long flight. Um so you can go in here and pull up the information just by clicking on the little dots. Um, and 
reading what's going on in your area. So uh, these so, are are just claims, right? They're not like uh, they verified. are. They're not. They're not all substantiated. So as we know from the past, through um, one of our friends, uh, Freedom of Information Act, these are all just incident reports that have been submitted by various different entities, organizations, pilots, that kind of thing across the country. Uh, well, very. What was that? Very few of these have been actually verified as actual incidents or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think I at think, last count, it was like, what, 14 or I, 17? I think based on a document that I can't talk about, I think it mentioned something like six. Oh, hey. So, uh, very few. So this is 10,000 out of 10,000. Let's say on the long shot, 10, you know. Uh, verified accounts. So it's an interesting to tool. I do. Let me pop that in there. I apologize. Shush, we're on to <laughs> so uh, definitely an interesting uh, kind of tool. So uh, they do state in here that not all of them are, not all 10,000 have been added in terms of uh, being attached to a finite point on the map due to uh, uh, spelling mistakes, typos, all that kind of stuff. Um, here's the tool. I'm going to link the full tool here. Um, and guess what is going on? Well, you can click the link in the thing for the full tool because it's not loading at the moment. Oh, there it is. Hi. Um, right there. So Interesting if you want to explore some of the reported incidents um, in your area or anywhere else. Uh, it covers Hawaii and Alaska as well. So there you go. Um, really quickly, uh, Red Cat has acquired drone startup Teal. Um, kind of interesting, uh, more power to them. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, interesting how they, in their news release, that they have kind of categorized these companies that they have acquired in the past so you got skypersonic a remote inspection company dronebox a cloud-based flight intelligence platform fat shark a drone imaging and communication company that's stretching it a bit a little bit and rotorite a lifestyle operation focused on the consumer segment <laughs> lifestyle okay um a lot of marketing so, speak uh, in there yeah for sure so more power to them. Uh, hopefully that turns into something well for them. Uh, this was interesting as well. Uh, we have a man accused of shooting down a sheriff's office, uh, sheriff's office drone. Uh, so it looks like the sheriff's office was flying around a drone to uh, investigate a burglary um, and deployed the drone to surrounding lots. They say this young man uh, walked out and used a rifle to shoot down the drone because he thought it was harassing him. So, uh, yeah, don't, I mean, funny that now people who are retaliating against drones are now making the news as opposed to the drones themselves. So, um, and the interesting part in this article that I, I will appreciate, airspace is considered to be a public thoroughfare, just like street Street and individuals have the right to fly drones around in airspace so long as they're not conducting surveillance or violating someone's reasonable expectation of privacy. 
Um, <clears throat> so, uh, good to see um, that uh, we've got some positive kind of uh, portrayal of drones as opposed to saying, oh, you know, drones are spying on people, rah, 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 that we usually see in, in articles like this. Well, so, let's see if they prosecute him because it's illegal to shoot an aircraft at an absolutely. aircraft. And we are considered aircraft, so the only way the message is going to get is if we see prosecution. Yeah. So I would imagine since this was a police uh, or a sheriff's office drone, uh, uh, sheriff officer's drone uh, that was in use for, you know, official purposes, you'll probably see some, some uh, prosecution on this. I can't speak for uh, them, but obviously. That's, well, I'm hoping uh, on the federal side. Well, again, that. Uh, they, they may deem it, you know, well, you're handling it, so we don't need to. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, last but not least, and I will kind of wrap this up. I apologize if somebody else would like to speak. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of time. <laughs> um, Amazon's Prime Air program hopes to deliver packages to its many, many customers fast. This comes from Drone DJ, but just don't expect it anytime soon. Um, Business Insider reports internal conflict, high turnover, and launch delays have put the drone delivery program in upheaval. Uh, the public reports, uh, the publication reports that a meeting in March. Amazon executives were on spot to answer tough employee questions about the state of the program. Long-timers accused new hires from the aerospace industry of moving too slowly, and they brought up the division's high turnover rate of 20%. Um, I also, I've also read that other divisions in uh, Amazon's organizations uh, do not even come close to this 20%. I think one is at like 15%, and... The other is like 10 for the main company of Amazon. Um, one questioner remarked that in the last year, all four of the individuals on his leadership chain were replaced by Boeing ex, uh, expats. What are we doing to preserve Amazon's unique culture and principles within Prime Air while building out our organization with established industry leaders? Um, so uh, it says... It would be interesting to watch a Google Wing is creating a software platform that uh, Amazon customers could, uh, or you know, people selling on Amazon could pick up. So if this goes, if this doesn't uh, bear fruit, uh, Google Wing is, uh, and the, the Google Wing uh, application supports everything from flight authorization and flight planning to flight management to ordering and supplying and uh, delivery so they they really are thinking about this in a complete ecosystem and mm -hmm. could be a real competitor for amazon yeah so uh it, it goes on to say primary has struggled to meet its goals uh possibly because of these internal conflicts and because of regulatory obstacles it's apparently aiming for a soft launch in the third quarter of 2022 so we'll see what happens with that um but uh we knew from the beginning that you know, uh, drone delivery was going to be have its issues. So, you know, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> With that, I'm going to release uh, my hold on this uh, on this show and uh, give it to Dave. You got anything for us? 
Uh, just uh, along the lines of what Dan was saying, uh, uh, we have uh, we're working hard and we can't talk about it. Uh, so we are <laughs> spending a lot of time on this uh, ARC uh, BVLOS. Um, it's uh, hours and hours and hours every week. And uh, we're, um, like I say, we'll hope to uh, be able to publish uh, the report uh, when it's uh, when it is completed. And it's, uh, it's uh, six months from start. So November-ish is the target date. Anyth and uh, go ahead, Dan. Anything going on with uh, DAC tasking groups? Yeah, I was going to uh, uh, jump to that. There, are, uh, I don't think they've started yet. There's uh, tasking group 11 and 12, one relating to a white paper that the uh, FAA wrote on, uh, which should be uh, interesting and useful, and the other, how to uh, help and uh, uh, get aviation uh, and drone ideas into K-12 curricula. And uh, so um, Alex and I are signed up to one or both of those, and uh, I need to follow up with the leaders. I believe uh, we were both accepted to be on them, and so we have to just follow up. Okay. And I haven't missed anything, right? We have not been given access to the said white paper yet. Is that true? That's correct. That is correct. I, I need to find It just occurred as I was sitting here, it occurred to me that I did get uh, permission through the, uh, um, that we should be getting that. We don't have it yet. Right. Yeah, we agree, XJet. We d we don't like the way this works, but we're playing playing their game right now. Right. Good government is transparent. Government, we we agree. All right. So the arc is dealing. Just to kind of recap, the arc is dealing with beyond visual line of sight. Um, and uh, all the ins and outs uh, regarding that. Um, so again, that is under information embargo uh, for the time being. Uh, so, and hopefully once that's done, like Dave was saying, we'll publish, uh, they'll be able to publish the report on that. And uh, so you can kind of see what's going on within that. It is made up of approximately 90 different organizations and companies. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, not a lot we can discuss on that. So, um, all right, Alex, you got anything for us, sir? Um, I is coming around the corner soon, about a month away. Um, I think they're still looking for some more volunteers if you're interested. Otherwise, it's going to be a great event. Uh, they're putting some effort into the freestyle uh, track that's going to be there as well. Um, Tell us about what, have... what is I.O. for all of us who've never heard of it before. I've heard of it <laughs> so before. I, so I.O. is the Multi-GP International Open, and it's basic, It's the biggest FPV event that goes on uh, you, annually. So it's supposed to be annually. That kind of got messed up with COVID and all, but... It's a really big yeah. party that a lot of well-known FPV people go to and occasionally fly, but sometimes party all night long. Well, no. There's <laughs> races, and you get to see some of the best pilots race, um, and you can race them as well. So Okay. Uh, they, have a rook they have tracks for rookies all the way up to experts. Um, they they're going to have team racing. I can't remember if they're doing mega racing. There's going to be the Tiny Whoop Tent, which I hear is always fun, uh, led by... Uh, Jesse Perkins, and so, Mr. Yeah. Tiny Whoop. Yes, Mr. Tiny Whoop. 
All right, we also have, and again, we're not sponsors. We're not, you know, not paid promo. We don't get any kickbacks, but uh, West Coast Throwdown is also coming up uh, August 19th through the 22nd. It's going to be in Oregon. Um, and uh, what's that? I was just saying that's like the next day after IO. Because <laughs> okay. IO is the 11th to the 15th. So you just well, keep the party you can going. Catch a plane, right? It's yeah. just it's the after party <laughs> for IO, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh looks like it's uh gonna be a, a lot of fun. Uh lots of camping and whatnot. So uh four days freestyle racing, X class, and uh apparently many, many FPV shenanigans. So there you go. Um uh, so if you're looking to to get out and fly uh with uh with some great people, uh, IO West coast throwdown, uh, both recommended events. So, um, Let's just see. to kind of let you know what's going on around the world here. One other thing that happened, didn't, uh, they release some very redacted documents related to Gatwick. I don't know if anybody, uh, has a summary I haven't of that. Seen those. I think I saw, Ooh. saw something related to that recently. I didn't hear that. Yeah. I haven't heard that either. I heard the thing about a different airport yes the police's biggest concern was the lack of catering <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> you bruce <laughs> oh goodness what what other airport were you thinking of alex do you know do you uh, it started with an h heathrow started with an h heathrow i i think it's different i think it's a different airport that starts with an h that's why okay. I, I don't remember. Those are the two airports right, I rhyme, know in the UK. Right, rhymes with? What, do you have a country? I don't remember how it ended. I just remember it started with H. He fell asleep during the first part. All right. I was just scrolling through, and I saw airport, and I saw H, and then I kept scrolling. Oh, jeez. Details for details. It wasn't as, inter- as attention-grabbing for me. All right. like, oh, so, another false report. Another false report. Dan, you got anything to kind of close this out? No, bud? I think I posted the link to the the very redacted report, but um, otherwise, don't I don't think it. I've got anything else. All right. So, um, any questions, comments, concerns from what does our the community attendees? have for us? Yeah. Try to get us to say something we're not allowed to say about the arc. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't. We don't need the bad. We need. We don't need the bad press. All right. So good. <laughs> With that, guys, thanks for thanks for joining us this evening. Um, again, we'll get those comments out uh, fairly quickly, uh, so y'all can respond on the um, advisory circular for recreational, um, and. Uh, We'll we'll probably drop those in Discord here. We'll drop them on Facebook. We'll drop them on our website. So you'll have multiple avenues through which to grab those and utilize those. So uh, be patient with us, and uh, we'll get those out to you. Um, but with that, uh, no, no, I don't, no, 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 Bruce, just no. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing only fans. All right, with that, uh, have a great night uh, and uh, get out there and fly. Uh, It's summer. Uh, Hopefully when there's no storms or ridiculous heat, um, you guys can get out and have some fun. So 
Uh, with that, have a great night. Thank you. Have a good evening.